Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, well this is happening for some reason. These little town blues. Oh God, you know what, Dom, just go ahead and do your thing, but uh, she doesn't even know the lyrics. If I get murdered there, I could get murdered anywhere. It's up to you, New York. Uh, Dom, just play the song. New York. Welcome back, Skeleton Army. I'm Angel, and this here walking Muppet is Nash. Beep, beep. We're, we're back with another episode where we tell you ahead of time that it's going to be, uh, you guessed it, all of us on three. Ready? One, two, three. A bummer. Great. A bummer. Oh. 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 Well. Yeah, a bummer. And so, mm. before we start, allow us one moment to soapbox. Sex work is work. Sex workers are people. Stop being fucking assholes. A hot dog is not a sandwich. I mean... It is, technically. No, it isn't. At best, it is a terrible white person attempt at tacos. Wow, I can't... Actually, you know what? Uh, hot dogs are gross anyway. Uh, let's get let's get back to the important shit. Okay, well, let me just write this down here. Angel one. <laughs> Fart face zero. <laughs> also, hot dogs are incredible. So, you're gonna get a negative one, actually. So, we're just gonna... We're going to do negative one, and then instead of fart, I'll just U-C-K. All righty. Big picture hater. We're back in New York. God damn it! No, seriously. It's 1830, so it's a little before Typhoid Mary starts licking every kitchen job she could get her hands on before being tossed in the back of an NYPD tactical ambulance for the rest of her life. Right. Oh, that happens. Also, lick every kitchen job. Everyone. Weird place to get horny. Uh, say what you will about the Big Apple. They don't fake facts for tourism. Looking at you, Salem, Massachusetts. Okay, so it's April 10th, 1836. It's also 3 a.m., so actually we should probably be whispering. It's 3 a.m., I must be lonely. No. Oh, sorry, you said whisper. <clears throat> We're in a fancy-ass brothel, and the brothel owner, a nice lady called Rosina Townsend, is checking on all her girls. She thought she heard someone try to go out the lock front door a little while ago, and she's like, that's weird. We had overnight policies in this place. If you got to leave, your girl has to let you out. Oh, Rosina, I didn't know you were German. Jawohl. Oh, well, what a way to empower women, really. Rosina is walking around, and she notices that the back door is open, which is something you would expect at this establishment. Yeah. She's tight on security, because gotta keep it tight. Uh, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, she does keep it tight on security, because, you know, she is protecting a bunch of women in 1830s New York. So, she gives it a sec, thinking some dude probably popped out for a little midnight god in watering. 
if you know what I mean. A piss under the stars. Come to Fall River, Massachusetts and take a piss under the stars. <laughs> and when a few minutes pass and no one comes back in, she's like, Fantasmas? Oh, I thought you were German. So she I don't start- know the German word for ghosts. <laughs> it's Fantasmas, you just say it with a German accent. <laughs> Uns Fantasma? <laughs> Scheiße. So she starts checking on the rooms and she makes it upstairs. She opens the door and smoke pours out into the hallway. She leaves shouting fire, which is both the correct thing to do and a very accurate assessment of the situation. Yes, she wasn't in a theater, so it was okay then. Uh, great job, Rosina, though. You did it. Hey, good job. Yeah, thumbs up for you. Wicked proud. Some of the girls run to escape and also to get help, and while they do that, Rosina goes back in the smoke room to make a rescue attempt. We're going to put a pause on things here real quick, just to tell you for no reason a little bit about a woman called Dorcas Doyen. She was born in Maine to an alcoholic dad and a soon-to-be dead mom. Oof. She works as a servant for a judge until she turns 18, and then she decides to bolt, working as a prostitute under a few fake names. She eventually moves to Boston and then New York, where she begins working for... Oh, wow. Oh, did you hear about this? What? Did you guess it? No. It's Rosina Townsend again. Santa. Oh. In Rosina's brothel, she's known as Helen Jewett. Here's a fun fact I'll give away for free. In all the press coverage and write-ups about this case, she's called Helen with an H, or Ellen with no H, leaving historians to suspect that in 1830s New York, Helen and Ellen were pronounced exactly the same. Leave it to New York City to not pick a side, but instead just make both choices worse. So here we are, back at the brothel. Rosina steps in to rescue Helen and her bedmate, only to discover that her bedmate is nowhere to be found, and also Helen is on fire. <laughs> oh, 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 uh, oh, here we go. And All right. Uh, well, Helen's corpse is on fire, to be exact. Oh, yes, right. Rosina also discovers that Helen's been axed to death. Okay, all right. Um, this took a turn. Yeah. That being said, the New York Police Department, if you can call them that. Technically, they were just called the Watchmen, so no, you can't really. Okay, fine. The Watchmen. Uh, they decide to show up, and they do some quotation marks here investigating they drag helen's body to the middle of the room and put her out okay sorry pedantics crime scene tampering oh look at that they are the new york city police department Aw, way to achieve your dreams guys and then they ask rosina what happened just another hot day at the office rosina walks them through the someone tried to leave part and also adds that helen gave instruction earlier in the night that her normal client a man called Bill Easy, was not to be admitted. Instead, another regular called Frank Rivers. Oh my god, with these names again. So do these white guys come like in a box set or something? Like, what's going on here? They sound like G.I. Joe characters. Like a crayon, 64-bit with like a sharpener in the back? Mm, there you go. Mm. It's not his real name. Uh, his real name is worse. It's worse than that? It's worse. The police tracked down... It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. Angel, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. Dom, do you hear this? It's worse. Jesus. <sighs> the police tracked down Frank Rivers by asking one of the other dudes at the brothel if they know him. And that guy, who apparently had never heard of bros before hoes before, gives Frank's work address. He just has that? Yeah, in his pocket. He just had that? He just had that ready to go? Yeah, it was just in his pocket, you know, mutually assured destruction and whatnot. Mm. There's no HR in this brothel. 
So the Watchmen pop off quickly at Frank's work, and they're like, hey, quick question. Does Frank Rivers sound like a guy who works here? And probably some hijinks ensue, but eventually they get Frank's real name, which is, drum roll, please. Richard. Okay. Parmalee. What? Parmalee. Huh? Robinson. Wait. His name is Richard Parmalee Robinson, you guys. Oh, okay. Well, at least we understand why he thought Frank Rivers was a cool name. So the cops were like, hey, Richard, what's up? Good morning. Could you do us a favor and come check something out for a hot second? Definitely not related to murder at all. Just super quick here. Here's in the part of the movie where there's a freeze frame for old Dick Cheese Robinson. First, he's 19 years old. Mm. His daddy's a Connecticut state legislator and a fucking landlord, because of course he is. And guess who else works at the same place? Mm, let me guess, is it Bill Easy Baby? It's Bill Easy Baby. Just two baby finance bros in the city with problematic views on women. <sighs> Rich bastards. Well, too bad there's like no modern parallels. The Watchmen bring Richard Sarah Lee Robinson to the crime scene because that was the practice back in ye olden times in order to ascertain guilt. They brought cookies? Yes, and bread. It's gross. Huh. They believe that the murderers would be unable to be calm and collected in the presence of a corpse for some reason, which is definitely not rooted in science at all. Science? Do you hear about this? Science? Nope, never. Yeah, science never met her. So Richard pops into Helen's room, and the police make some notes about that. But before we get into it, let's have some facts of the medical variety. Black death, polio, spontaneous combustion. Dying comes and after death comes decomposition. It may seem sad and also gross, but here you are and here's your host, not an actual doctor, but it's medical, medical, medical facts with Dr. Angel. All right, gang, listen up here. We have a... How do I put this? Weirdly? Sadly? Already covered how you die from being axed to death. If you need a refresher... Hashtag yikes. You can pop back to the Lizzie Borden two-part finale episodes. From season one, of course. Rate and review. But for today, we're going to skip that part and talk about autopsies, baby! Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey. hey we got a fucking corpse here! <laughs> Kidding aside, we're going to talk specifically about one autopsy. The autopsy of Helen. Helen's autopsy. The autopsy specifically made for Helen. Let's meet our medical team, whose names are, and I shit you not, Dr. David Rogers and Dr. James Kasem, white men extraordinaire. They arrive on the scene and perform the fucking thing right there in a room where she was literally just murdered, dragged, and then lit on fire. Not necessarily in that order. They determined that she was hit three times in the head with a blunt object, probably a dull axe. They also were like, yeah, that killed her dead, and then, um, looks like someone set her on fire. They said that. I think that's actual medical terminology they used. Yeah. Yeah. They did all of that hard investigative work before cutting her open right there where she lay. I feel like we can't truly stress enough that they ripped her corpse from her bed, tossed her onto her floor, and cut her open. 
They go on to be like, well, you know, the lungs look good. Uh, she's dead, though. Her chest looks nice, filled with blood. Uh, her stomach has got some food in it. Normal, pretty normal. Still super dead. Uh, though also her uterus, though, and this is a quote, unimpregnated, but laboring under an old disease. Mm. Which is 19th century medical speak for the fuck is this organ even? I don't even I don't even know what it does. I don't. I, oh, it's looking at me. I don't know. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> they go on record to the police cops downstairs and announce that she was sleeping peacefully when she got whacked in the head. And then after she was dead, someone went all loosey goosey with a box of matches. Murder. So the cops bring Robert P. Richardson. That doesn't sound right. Uh, Pritchard R. Parmelson. Mm, I think you're actually getting farther away. Richard P. P. Robinson. <laughs> you know what? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys know who we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, three-named McWhite guy. They grab our boy Richie and bring him to Helen's room and immediately make a note about how fucking chill he is. That's their note. He's impassive and just like, yeah, I see dead bodies all the time. No big deal, guys. What of it? Guilty dude says what? <laughs> so the cops are like, this dude is sus as fuck. <laughs> even by our shitty ass police standards. They want to bring him in, even though he's all like, oh, whatever. I'm like super innocent. Like, I don't even know what you guys are doing. Richard gets taken downstairs by our cops to face the music. And in his defense, he says, do you think I would blast my brilliant prospects by so ridiculous an act? I am a young man of only 19 years of age yesterday. With most brilliant prospects. Here's a calendar of all the events that me and my frat guy friends did. Yeah. As you can see, I really like beer. <laughs> so this guy is basically Trump Jr. Yeah. Just in case you missed it, in order to properly celebrate his birthday, he hires a lady to have sex with him, and then he kills her. Just, you know, clarifying that little itty-bitty titty committee information. In case, you know, you missed the whole point of this episode so yeah. far. One of the neato burrito things about the 19th century police work was that it was a little bit like interactive theater. You could just be walking around New York City grabbing ye old bagel and get summoned to be part of the coroner's jury. Which is what happened to like 12 dudes minding their own fucking business on the morning of April 10th, 1836. The police also heard together 10 witnesses, most of them brothel workers and clients. And everyone is like... He was here. He's a regular. That's him. Get him. The doctors read their autopsy and all the men present take 45 minutes to wonder about the whole uterus thing. And the cops also present their evidence of discovering a cloak in Helen's room and a nice little blunt axe outside in the garden. The most damning bit of evidence comes from Richard's roomie. This dude is called James Two, Not T-O. Not T-O-O. Not T-W-O. Not T-E-W-E. But T-E-W, James 2. Ah, oh, fucking Christ with these names. Alrighty, who wrote this? Anyway, James is like, fuck, why did I decide to come along with Richard for this? <laughs> Mistakes were made, buddy. But he does kind of accidentally confirm that the cloak is Richard's while trying and failing to just be nonchalant about it. He's like, alright, we got this here cloak. Well, there's cloaks everywhere. Okay, that's fair. Uh, we think this is Richard's cloak. Mm, why? Because this says inside Richard's cloak. Oh, Okay, well, I mean, it could be any Richard. That's true, that's true. It has a picture of Richard holding a newspaper saying, this is absolutely my robe. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, man, there's just, there's robes everywhere, though. Okay, so you're saying this is not Richard's robe. That is not Richard's robe. I don't think it is, at least. 
All right, well, we're going to throw it away. I wouldn't. Why do you say that? His mom's going to be real mad. She spent a lot of money on that. What? <laughs> At this point, the cops are like, off to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect. Okay, well, okay, fine. You're a white dude. You can collect your 200 bucks, but that's it. And this is the stage cue for our next main character in today's story. Please welcome James Gordon Bennett. Bennett, Bennett, Bennett. Bennett. Three days. If you're at all familiar with stars that are just like us and other bits of VH1 programming, you can fucking thank Mr. White Guy Three Names for that. Because old James Cummy Gordon Fuckface Fuckery Bennett walks into the brothel and is like, allow me in for I am the media. I'm going to let James Gordon Bennett come back from the dead briefly and hit us with a quote. And this is true from an article he published called Visit to the scene, in which he describes Helen's body for the entire public. Okay, light the candle and go. Slowly I began to discover the lineaments of the corpse, as one would the beauties of a statue of marble. It was the most remarkable sight I ever beheld. Not a vein was to be seen. The body looked as white, as full, as polished, as pure Parian marble. The perfect figure, the exquisite limbs, the fine face, the full arms, the beautiful bust, all, all surpassing in every respect the Venus de Medici's. For a few moments, I was lost in admiration at this extraordinary sight. What the, what the actual, I'm sorry, what was any of that? What was that? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, right. Fuck off. Okay. We are absolutely done with that horseshit. Bye. Yeah, back to hell with you. <laughs> Go away. <clears throat> Hang on. God damn it. Sorry. Let me send this email real quick. No return policies available. Yeah, turns out the underworld doesn't, doesn't want him either. Shit. Jeez. <laughs> It's worth mentioning that this is very much a choice by Bennett. He clearly had eyes that worked at the time, so there's no way he missed the gaping incision of the autopsy, which probably made Helen look not so bueno. Mm. Also, like, half her face was burnt, if you could even discern a face, because it was also packed up. So, lots of choices were made here, is what we're trying to say. And just to clarify, that's a real fucking quote, by the way. He goes on to describe her room, and he focuses on her small library, which had a lot of what he implies are highbrow books that he didn't expect to find there for what are probably incredibly sexist and capitalist reasons. And he also compliments her wardrobe, like she wasn't earning a fucking paycheck by her goddamn self. He sums it all up with, She was a remarkable character and has come to a remarkable end. Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ, get out of here. God damn it. Never. Nah. Okay, holy shit. God, this guy was a piece of shit. Mm. Unfortunately for basically everyone, that narrative catches like Helen's bedsheets. Jesus, Nash. Oh, I'm sorry, he's leaking. And every paper in New York is hashtag obsessed. Intentional murders weren't super common in the 1830s. Excuse me, intentional murders? The fuck is this? And it's the first time sex and sexuality are being explicitly referred to in all manners of society, as the murder is making its way even to the six penny papers. My stars, six pennies, the rich people's papers. The newspapers become golem about this uptick in readership and start blatantly lying about evidence. 
looking at you, Bennett, you piece of shit, who publishes a, quote, letter from a, quote, murderer, where he, quote, confesses, which, quote, did not happen. Actually, that last part is not in quotes, sorry. But apparently, Bennett just decided he was going to pay a guy to write something up. I'm sorry. It's fucking hysterical to me that the fucking writer who just wrote all that horseshit about basically wanting to fuck a corpse could not write his own version of, hey, what's up? I'm a murderer. He had to pay somebody else to do that. So other papers forget the words objectivity and publish things like Richard, definitely guilty. Did you hear about this? Richard here. Richard, definitely guilty. See? Yeah, good times. Uh, Real quick. Can we get back to the thing? What thing? That I'd asked earlier? What? Which was, did you say intentional murders oh yeah oh oh just nonchalantly yeah that's what you yeah okay you can elaborate or oh i mean i can yeah sure but just for you intentional murders like being axed to death were sort of rare but accidental murders all the goddamn time baby assaults are on the rise kid you see and i don't want to get too distracted by this but here's my favorite quote of all time about 1830s new york Are you ready? I don't think you are. Anyway, here we go. Quote, dead bodies of questionable origins regularly turn up every couple of days. Shout out to historian Patricia Klein Cohen. Thank you so much for this gift. I love you. Uh, So that's just your favorite quote? That's my favorite quote. That's the one you say all the time. Like when when your kid is like, read me a story, mommy. You're like dead bodies of questionable origins regularly turned up for every couple of days. I mean, I use it at least once a week. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, everybody, on behalf of the show, I am so sorry that I asked. I'm not. Okay. Robinson's trial starts June 2nd, 1836, and an entire jury of, you guessed it, white guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's all just dudes being like, wow, wow. wow. It's 12. Wow. It's 12 Owen Wilsons. <laughs> Owen Wilson and... Owen Wilson wow. with Owen Wilson wow. and Owen Wilson wow. in a jury of wows. <laughs> she was a prostitute that was hacked to death. He was the guy who obviously did it. <laughs> wow. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the corpse of Helen Jewett and playing the Chinese merchant Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> but no, it's all white people, an entire cast it's of white people. people. It's the fucking worst. Okay. Yeah, so racist. It goes on for five days while the state presents its case. The women of the brothel testify all the various bits. The cloak gets confirmed to be Robinson's, the axe is discussed, and there's a cute little hook that had been added to the inside of the cloak so it could possibly hide the axe. Might as well have been labeled, this is where I hang the axe that I murdered Helen Jewett with. It's for fashion, okay? Yeah, Robinson look as guilty as hell. Just dripping in guilt. But that simply wouldn't do for white men everywhere. So when the defense starts their bullshit, they conveniently find a shop owner who swears good old Richie is at his place until 10.15, which is a good 45 minutes after everyone else confirmed he was visiting Helen. The shop owner is also like, my boy said he was hella tired and he announced he was going home. Now the defense is like, look, he couldn't have committed the crime. He was busy being at the shop. Are you accusing this shop owner? Of lying? For money? No? Oh, sorry, we figured you were gonna say that next time because he's lying, though. Definitely not. But coincidentally, for fun, Mr. Shop Owner goes bankrupt a year later. And then a year after that, he jumps overboard from a boat. Also interesting. And then dies? What? 
That's probably unrelated. Or is it? Nightline. Both sides have some closing arguments. And then the judge is like, hey, guys, look at me. Look at look at me. Yes. For a second, just right in my eyes. Look in my eyes. Up here, Owen. Right here. You can wait the testimony of the people on the stand by their social standing in society. Just Gregory, look at me. Look at just look at me in the eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? You do not have to listen to the prostitutes. That's what I'm saying. Ah, so in case you think we're being a little overdramatic for comedy reasons, well, one, yes, a little bit. Yeah. Two, here's a real fucking quote. Ready for this? Prostitutes <laughs> are not to be entitled to credit unless their testimony is corroborated by others drawn from better sources, and testimony derived wholly from persons of this description. <laughs> it is not to be received. <laughs> the fucking, like, court stenographer is like, how do I write all that laughter? <laughs> Just laughing. <laughs> laughing? Anyway. Evil laughter? Ooh. Just real fucking horseshit stuff. The jury comes back in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 1 5, 15. 15 minutes. Okay, well, I'm sure that went well. And guess what? They're literally like, not guilty. <sighs> yeah. The newspapers explode with this verdict, which basically no one expected except maybe Richard, who gets asked if he feels guilty. To this, he says, and this is a quote again, these are all real quotes we've said by far, for the most part. Uh, not a bit. Did it seem in court that Helen was murdered by me? He turned to an old man. Yeah. <laughs> She's just aged a lot in trial. To this, he says, and this is a quote. Uh, not a bit. Um, did it seem the the court that Helen was murdered by me? Deborah? He goes on, unfortunately, to be O.J. Simpson about it. And is like, if I had done it, it wouldn't have been with that axe. Only an idiot would use a dull axe to murder someone. And I am obviously not an idiot. And I know this because obviously there's a heavy implication here that I kill women routinely, which is not better than using a dull axe to kill one woman who fucked me on my birthday. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he, here's the best part, actually. Yeah. Because, you know, he then gets killed by a mob and his bits get cut off. So that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh. <laughs> this is a fan fiction I wrote. Uh, he doesn't get better with age, if you're wondering. Uh, instead, he moves down to Texas, because, you know, that's what all the assholes are doing. Yep. Even back then, where he becomes a wealthy saloon proprietor, a county court clerk, a fucking landlord, and worst of all, a slave owner. But luckily, he does finally die in, we can only hope, agony, from brain and stomach inflammation in 1855. So, fucking there's that. And even more, unfortunately, if you were like, well, Helen, baby, at least the worst is over. It's time for Fun Facts with Nash. Nash? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Okay. I'm sorry. Four days after Helen gets buried, medical students, I am sorry, dig up her corpse. Sorry. Dissect it for science. Sorry. And the last we know, I am 
sorry. Her skeleton was hanging in a medical cupboard. She makes an appearance as a full wax figure in the late 1830s. Sorry for a traveling exhibit of famous murderers and their victims, which, oh my God, sorry. Um, uh, okay, uh, <sighs> Helen, if, um, if you're listening, we're, we're so fucking sorry. That's... We're so fucking sorry. I hope that you are haunting the shit out of that medical college, babe. Just doing the worst. Well, and a fun takeaway here towards the end, if you know anything... About the Kardashians, the Jenners, the fucking whoever, that you didn't go out and look for yourself, you can think James Gordon Bennett. And by think, I mean, take a old piss under the stars at old Bennett's grave. He's buried in Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. Just information that you have now for no reason. And on that note, that's the episode. A special thanks to you, our favorite listener. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Gorilla Jokes. And I'm at It's Nash Flynn. And of course, follow the podcast at Death and Friends Podcast. Want to become an official member of the Skeleton Army? Join us on Patreon. We use it to cover our sound guy's medical bills. In order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die we talk about on the show. Yeah, we told Dom he was going to get a facial and a suntan, but... um. He didn't, he didn't get that. He was really excited about the facial. We didn't really understand why. Yeah, it was, it was weird. He's, it was he's, weird. He's fine. He's, you should definitely join the Patreon, though, because he, he needs the help. He so. didn't love the fire so much. So check it out at patreon.com slash deathandfriends. And speaking of Patreon, let's thank our members at the Brendan Fraser level. Edgar, Grasshopper, Diane H., Luella B, Vicky R, Kevin L, Jonathan D, and Andy C. Hey, John, I love your new tattoo. It's very fitting. Also, just a reminder, we have a website now. It's deathandfriends.org, O-R-G, because yes, we are an organization, and we are committed to making the internet worse. Yes, yes. Now, everybody, this episode was a tough one, and death is never easy to talk about, so we need you to remember something super special. Okay, you listening, bud? Yeah? Remember that you are loved, that you matter, and if you don't want to be your own friend, we will happily be your friend. Let's do those braids in your hair like last time. Until next time, Skeleton Army, stay spooky. Love you. Love you. This has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio design by Dominic Guanzon. Themes and transitions by Amy Doe. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast? Don't use it in your research papers. Angel 1. Muppet 0. Oh. <laughs> also, hot dogs are gross, so you're going to get a negative 1. So just going to put negative 1. You did say hot dogs are Muppet. gross. <laughs> huh? Did I just say hot you, dogs are gross? Yeah. Damn it. And I was okay. like, yeah, vindicated. No, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> sure, but we have it on record Let's try that now. again. Let's try that again. Death? It's not his real name. Uh, his real name is worse. It's worse than that? It's worse. The police tracked down. It's worse. It's worse. The police tracked. It's tra- worse. Okay. <laughs> It's worse. It's wor- Dom, do you hear this? Death? <laughs> Death? He just has that? Yeah, in his pocket. 
you hear these dogs barking? They're also surprised. They're like, oh my God, <laughs> has he never heard of the bro code? And he's like, Fuck no, me. we're going down together mm. if we go. Why did we do this this late? Because we always do it at 10 o'clock. Dinner's always mm. at 10. Did you say dinner's always at 10? Yeah. A little din-din? Yep. <clears throat> little supper? Oh my God. I forgot Don. Don has to listen to this. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Dom. Uh, these dogs are. You know what's crazy? I put like two moving blankets on top of the uh, on top of my window to try to help. Uh, it has done nothing. Like these are thick ass blankets. They were like twenty bucks each. You should build a different house inside of the house that you live in with like right. insulation. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. a very small home. It's just it's annoying because I I invested some money into this. There's foam padding behind my mural here. Like, and it's it's helped a lot with the TV noise when they're in the room. Like, yeah. I hardly get that anymore. But it, the window's broken. <laughs> I can't. There's nothing I can do about the fucking window. And I'm like, can I fix it? He's like, nah. The zone guy, the guy who owns the place, will do it. I was like, okay, cool. Well, it's been a year. He hasn't been here yet. Death. The police altar. Oh. <coughs> Why are we both dying? <laughs> Is it because we had to do this episode? Tell again? my mother. I loved her. <laughs> you don't have enough spit. I have too much spit. It's like becoming an issue. I'm going to put my tea down. I think that's the real problem. The police also... <laughs> Death? But luckily he does finally die in, we can only hope, agony, yeah. from brain and stomach inflammation in 1955. 1955. He lives forever. He lives 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> he is the bicentennial man but he does finally die <laughs> in hopeful agony from brain and stomach inflammation in 1855 so I love the second time you screwed it up you said 19 but you were looking at me when you said 19 like it was a question even though you knew that it wasn't that shut up I'm tired in 19? No. What am I saying? I was like, oh no. We have to redo this on Tuesday. I'm going to be like, fuck this episode. We're jumping at Christmas. No, Helen doesn't deserve that. I know. Death? Ooh. Oh, back? What are you doing? Okay. Sorry. That looked awful just Sorry. now. Because <laughs> you didn't freeze to me. <laughs> I just saw you go, oh, and then your arm going like this. While you're making a face, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Nash, no! <laughs> I thought I lost you, so I just started cranking you started one out. started <laughs> jerking off? Just whipped out your giant penis? <laughs> thought that I had a so minute, gross. you know? Dude, like, straight up. You were like, oh! <laughs> and, then, and then, and just like you, like... <sighs> Like, it was really gross. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, no, stop it. No. Oh, God. That's hilarious. Oh, I got flashbacks of that stupid Smosh video. Ah. <laughs> uh, Death? Uh. Sorry, Tom. <laughs>